We ended Tuesday night in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Well, we, we quoted a number of other scriptures, but that was the primary set of scripture we were looking at was 1 Corinthians 15. And in the final verses that we were dealing with there, there's the statement that the son may be subject to the Father, that God may be all in all. Then I'll uh, pull it up and, and read it because I'll probably not quote it just right. <clears throat> and it says, all things are, verse 28, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son himself be subject unto him, that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And I've asked this question uh, Tuesday night and this morning in our local fellowship. When was God ever not all? He was always all. So when we look at God and we start considering who he is, we can say God is all. But the other part of this verse says God shall be all in all. Now, what's the in all? That's the question. What is the in all? Does that mean all the globe? A lot of people believe that. A lot of people believe someday God will be all in all the globe. Does that mean every man that walks upon the earth. A lot of people believe that. So, you know, these are questions. Or is it all in all to the church? Or all the above? All in all to the church and through the church succumbing all things to himself. These are all questions. I'm not going to tell you I have the answer <laughs> to all these questions tonight. But, and actually I should tell you I do have the answer to them because Christ is in me. But I don't understand the answer to all these questions. So I have to rephrase that. Because he is in me, and I'm in him. And when I begin to define that statement, he's in me and I'm in him, well, that's quite difficult to define. It's impossible to find, define by the human understanding. Absolutely impossible. 
by the natural mind. But we have the mind of Christ that we might know the things of God. So we have been given an ability by the Lord to know. And, and sometimes we have to embrace that, that God has given us through his son the ability to know the things of God and all things of God. That's what the scripture actually says. If I go to the Old Testament and I read Isaiah, the Bible says in Isaiah that, or God speaks through the prophet Isaiah, my ways are not thy ways. My ways are higher than your ways. And my ways are past finding out. So I can look at the relationship with God from that understanding. And I could say, well, I can't know the things of God. But I'm not in that understanding because I've come through Christ to the ways of God. That by the Spirit of God, I might know all things of God. And as believers, we have to embrace that. So we have to believe that the Spirit will teach us all things, yea, the deep things of God. So this is the ground we approach the Lord on is in these difficult subjects, deep subjects, whatever we want to call them, deep or difficult, that the Spirit of God will teach us. He will show us all things. Okay? So we come to that place and that ground. And this is a whole different place than we were in the first man. We're not where we were. We're in a new creation. And in this creation, God has gathered up all things in one. So we know where all things are gathered up at. Now, that does, when I say he gathered up all things in one, does that mean the plants and the trees and the birds and the fishes? Don't think so. So we may at some point have to define what all things are as we use this term, all things, right? So in Ephesians 1, which we read this Tuesday night, the Bible reads in Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 
I want to read on down here, and I, I intend on doing it, but, but man, there is something in my heart to say to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings that's in the heavenlies in Christ. Okay. Now, what I want to say to you, that's really in my heart. The Lord started stirring this in me. When you go back and you look at mankind, the first man, God gave that man dominion in the earth. This whole, he blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, I want to frame our mind a little bit to the first man, just for a moment. When God created that man, he gave that man dominion in the earth. Okay, you go back to Genesis and we've read it. So Adam was given dominion. Adam was told to be fruitful and multiply. And he put all things in the earth into Adam's hands. All right. What this says to me in Ephesians 1, you say, well, how does this go together? He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Jesus Christ or through Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, in him, of him. You can go on and on however you want to say that, but they're in Christ. Jesus had to become a man or God had to become a man. And here's why God had to become a man. Because he had given the dominion in the earth to man. Okay? So you could say God, by giving dominion to man, don't want to be this bold, so I'm going to be careful how I phrase this. God, realm of influence, was locked out at the fall of Adam. Not saying God didn't do things. Sure he did. Not saying God didn't influence things, because we see that he did. But on the personal scale, the dominion was given to man. So God's influence was not from the inside. This would maybe be the proper way of saying it. It was from the outside. So from Adam's fall, God's influence was outside of Adam. And you see that in Israel. 
So God, for example, set forth his law in Israel. And Israel was to live unto God according to that law. And how God influenced them back to that law sometimes. <laughs> we go there and we look at them, we go, huh, we try to understand that. Because he would send a realm of influence. But that influence was from outside. To turn them to the Lord. Okay, you find that all through the old covenant. When Israel would turn to the Lord, the Lord would heal them, save them, bring them out of their situation. But there would be many times something that came among them that would turn them to the Lord, at least to the keeping of the law. Jesus ultimately came to man. God came to man to bring man to himself. So God had to come into what man was because he'd given dominion in the earth to man. And you could even say that's why he would use other men like King Cyrus, for example, to restore the kingdom of God because the influence was from another man, right? I hope I'm trying, I hope I'm making this clear because it's important. So God would influence out of a man his people. Okay. And he did that all the way through the old covenant. Influence them to himself. The influence was always toward himself. Now now, some of the consequences were not pretty. We could probably say some of the consequences were indicative of their hearts. Okay, we could probably search that out and see that that's true. But ultimately, the influence of God from a man finds its ultimate intention in the Lord Jesus Christ, God becoming a man. And this is where you get this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the man, Christ Jesus, God influences us like no other way he had ever influenced before because this influence was not from 
an outside force dealing with, you know, us externally, but it was, was and is an internal. In order for that to happen, Jesus had to come and conquer all things because all things were given into the hand of the man. So if Jesus didn't conquer all things, the earth would still be under Adam's rule. Okay. You and I would still be subject to Adam. But Jesus came as a man. God came as a man. And defeated every enemy. And won the victory. So that coming into a new man, being birthed into a new man, we are birthed into what Jesus has already done. Just like we were birthed in Adam into what Adam had already done. <laughs> you realize that? You were birthed in Adam as a natural man into what had already taken place. And every natural man is birthed into that condition of Adam. Now in Christ, I am birthed into what he's done. So I could say he has blessed me with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I could say that, right? Past tense. Now, when I say that, and I read that in Ephesians 1, doesn't mean I comprehend all that. Then I go to verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I love this verse of scripture. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. And without blame, before him, in love. Holy and without blame. I'd like to comprehend that completely. Holy and without blame. In him. Before him, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, I don't have my dictionary in front of me, but I believe that may, may be the adoption of a son, but 
and I'll speak to it for a second. The adoption, the placement of a son to God himself. To be placed as a son to God himself. So when I talk about spiritual blessings, to be placed as a son to God himself is a spiritual blessing. Get a hold of this. He's given us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then he says to be holy and blameless before him in love. That's a spiritual blessing. To be placed as a son unto God is a spiritual blessing. To live in relationship of a father and a son with God is a spiritual comprehension of Christ Jesus, the Lord, of the Son of God, that you and I are to live in. So when I look at these scriptures that are quite difficult, God being all in all, that all things of God being made known in all, and I ask the question, the beginning of this sharing is that for the whole globe. And I'll tell you this, I'm all right if it is, but I'm also all right if it's not. This is where I may differ with some people, and that's to me, that's okay. Because some people's expectation of this is. We're not going to know this until the whole globe knows this. So they're, so they're waiting on a special day and a special time to know the fullness of God. So God does all this wonderful work that he's yet to do. And where the Spirit of the Lord keeps bringing me to is the work that's already been done. And, and, and why I make this comment, because that comment's a little bold, but why I make this comment is a lot of times we will turn our eyes to what we expect to be done rather than viewing what has been done. Okay, so, so we have a tendency in the church to wait. And now the Bible speaks of waiting, so I'm not against waiting, but waiting in its proper definition, which waiting many times in the New Testament is speaking of expecting something to be made known. Okay. So I'm not waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and someday I'm going to find it. What I'm waiting on are the things of Christ to be made known in me. That's what I'm waiting on. I've been given the things of Christ. 
in new birth. Been given them, but I don't comprehend them. But by the Spirit of God revealing Christ in me, I come to the comprehending of them. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that of him to be made known to you and I. Now, I'm not looking for it in the sweet by and by. I'm looking for it by the Spirit of God in the here and now. That's really where I'm looking at it, looking for it at. To enjoy it now. Because I'm now in Christ. So if I'm now in Christ, I should be able to enjoy what is now in Christ. Make sense? Sure it does. If I'm in Christ. And Paul writes, I think, I think one brother said it was 237 or 39 times that Paul used, or the writers of the New Testament used the term in Christ, in the Son, in the Beloved, in Him. So, so they were pretty confident of that in Christ business. So now what we're to know are all things in Christ. So we get back to Ephesians 1. I'm not going to get out of Ephesians 1. I can already tell you all the other scriptures I have. I'll have to be for another time. So, so back into Ephesians 1 says, to adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is God's will. This is the good pleasure of his will, that you would live as a son of God. To the praise of the glory of his grace. This is, to me, this is the praise of the glory of his grace that we live as sons of God. Wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. And, and I want to say this. We couldn't do this. <laughs> the, the beauty of salvation is we were all on equal footing in Adam. We were all dead <laughs> in sin. So we're all equal. Now in Christ, we are all equal again. But we have a different measurement coming to us than what we were being measured out in Adam, we have this measurement called accepted in the beloved. So what God did in Christ, you and I are accepted in. That's what we're accepted in, what God did in Christ. So whatever the measure is that's in Christ, you and I are accepted in it. He's made us accepted in the beloved. So if I could ever wrap my heart and mind around that, that I'm accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So I go on. I accepted in beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he have abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. <laughs> Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to, this, to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So he purposed in himself. What did God purpose in himself? Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are, in earth, are on earth, even in him, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. I would argue with you that we are that on earth. <laughs> that he's not talking about trees and fish here. But that on earth gathered up into Christ, into that which is in heaven. And I would even go further to argue with you that all these heavenly things, not I say all of them are contained in Ephesians 1, but all these things we're reading, accepted, holy, spiritual blessings, wisdom, prudence. These are the things that have been gathered up. The things of God that have been gathered up in Christ, in you and I who are on the earth. Because God intended up on earth to have the manifestation of his name through his creation. Why would he create something and it not give him any expression? We find this in Isaiah. Doesn't the potter have the power over the clay? Right? <laughs> sure he does. So how did he take the power over the clay? He gave the clay the power there in the beginning, but he became the clay and brought the clay to death in order to bring it to his divine purpose. Brought it to death of itself. And one of the most beautiful things we ever come into is when we realize we've been released from ourselves. Or sometimes we realize our worst enemy is me, <laughs> right? And our greatest, the greatest one for me is the Lord. Yeah, I realize that. I'm, I've been my worst enemy. Well, he freed me from me. That's really good freedom. Because me couldn't do it. So, so he infused my heart, your heart, with himself. And he did it in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, this is what I see. Well, I've summed this up tonight. I'll go a few more minutes. And we'll just pick it up the next time I speak, because I haven't got very far. But in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he would gather together all in one. Why? To get the praise of his glory in you and I 
in the earth. That's why. Because he created man for the praise of his glory. But in the first man, he doesn't get the praise of his glory. Instead of the praise of his glory, what does he get? Thorns and thistles. So the answer to that man wasn't to reform him. The answer to him was to crucify him. Bring him to death. That in order for him to live, it would be Christ. Okay. Now, Jesus says something in John 6 that is just so powerful to me. John 6, verse 56. Start there. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. So if you want to know how to dwell in him and how he dwells in you, eat his flesh and drink his blood. All right. Well, we should ask the Lord, what does that mean? Of course, that's what we're doing tonight, is eating his flesh and drinking his blood. The word became flesh. And his blood is drink indeed. And he said, I live by the spirit. And if you search out the Old Testament, life was in the blood. And Jesus' life was the spirit. I live by my father. And my father lives in me. However, he said it there. But in, in verse 57, he says, as the living father have sent me where it is. And I live by the father. God was his life. So he that eat of me. He shall live by me who lives by the Father. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man, mark that, ascend up where he was before. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So what if you see him, the son of man? You know, a lot of people probably think he said, what if you see the son of God? And I'll leave that alone. Anyway, he said, he said, what if you see the son of man ascend where he was before. It is the spirit that quickeneth. John 16, he tells where he was before. John 16, You could start, I won't read it all for time's sake, because I've been a long time already, verse 16, but I'll start on down 
in verse 25. But one first verse 16, I'll read that one, then I'm going to skip down to verse 25. He said, a little while, and you will no longer see me, and again a little while you will see me. All right, he, that happened at his death, burial, and resurrection. They saw him. So that was physically, physically fulfilled. But it's also speaking of a spiritual fulfillment. I go away, he says in John 14, and the world sees me no more, but you see me. So we see him. You know, and he was speaking directly to his disciples, but to us as well. Well, here in John 16, he tells them, I came forth from the Father. Verse 28. I said 25. Come on down to 28. He says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. The word come forth means to go or come out of. So he come out of the Father and came into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. So he came out of the Father and went back to the Father. So when we look at that, what does that mean? What if you see me ascend up to where I was before? What was different? Just to consider this, and we'll pick this up, you know, Lord willing, next Sunday night. But just consider this in your mind. What was different in John 14? In John 14, he said he was in the Father and the Father was in him. Read John 14. He's a, he says, believest thou not, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He tells him, he says, well, believe me for the very work's sake. The Father was in him. God, if I could say this right, had confined himself. I don't know if confined, that's too strong a word, but God had put himself into Christ. Now he says, I'm going back to the Father that he came out of. I come out of the Father and come into the world. Why he come into the world? Everything I've said to you tonight, because he gave dominion to man. And he had to deal with man in order to bring us to the Father. But he brings us to the Father in himself because the Father is in him. He is in the Father. All right? So he was, he was in the Father, and the Father was in him up on the earth. That's what he said. Now he says, I'm going back to the Father, so he's in the Father. What does that mean? God is a spirit. 
God as spirit, if I see God as spirit, God as spirit is, we use the word omnipresent, all over the world. There is nowhere I can go in the world and can't find God. Well, before Jesus came as a man, God was omnipresent, but I couldn't find God. He was already omnipresent. Get a hold of that. God was already omnipresent before Jesus came. Well, before I got saved, I wasn't aware of the omnipresent God. Now, I'm aware of the omnipresent God if I'm here in Massanutten, where I live, or if I'm in Culpeper Ministry, or tomorrow, Lord willing, I'm getting an airplane and flying to Alabama, and guess who will be in the airplane with me? The omnipresent God. And I will know him through the Christ that lives in me. That's what I believe he meant when he said, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going back into God that I came out of with the work that I've done. And as we know him, Christ, we know the Father because all things of God, according to Paul, are in Christ. In him dwells the fullness of the deity bodily. I know the King James says Godhead, but search it out. So all the deity, all that God is, dwells in him, and all that God is is made known by Christ being revealed in you and I who are his body. Well, I've tried to stop several times, so I will stop right there. And I will start with Brother Jimmy Lewis. <laughs>